Most companies aren't in the billing space, yet they need to deal with pricing and billing as a core piece of technology, whether they want to or not. Stigs is an easy-to-implement headless pricing and packaging platform that takes a lot of the hassle out of pricing and billing for your SaaS application. This is the Modern Digital Business Podcast, the technical leader's guide to modernizing your applications and digital business. Whether you're a business technology leader or a small business innovator, keeping up with the digital business revolution is a must. Here to help make it easier with actionable insights and recommendations, as well as thoughtful interviews with industry experts, Lee Acheson. Stigs is an easy to implement headless pricing and packaging platform that takes a lot of the hassle out of pricing and billing for your SaaS application. Their APIs help developers launch new pricing plans faster that lead to better customer buying experiences. Doris Hassan is the co-founder and CEO of Stig, and he's my guest today. Dor, welcome to Modern Digital Business Podcast. Hey, Lee. Uh, Great to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. I'm so glad you're here. And I, I have to tell you, I'm... I'm envious, okay, and and the reason why is I've often thought that what the SaaS world needed was a platform that handled the standardized pricing and building logic that every application has to build, you know. I'm talking about something more involved than just a simple Stripe integration that includes all of the, you know, the pricing strategies and all that sort of stuff, and and now you've gone ahead and created it. You've taken my idea. No, it's, it's on my idea. You've taken me, you've run with it. I, I'm just... Uh, I, I think it's great. And so tell me, what <laughs> led you to create Stig? Hey, Lee, that was a really good uh, way to uh, get started the conversation. By the way, we're still hiring, so we should talk after this show. <laughs> in case you, in case you, <laughs> you want to opt in, I'm already excited. So uh, um, how did we begin? So, so um, a lot of uh, folks that we, we've talked to early on and still uh, chat with today and work with today, whether they are customers or part of our community or folks that we uh, can help uh, think through their pricing and packaging strategies, uh, they share the same emotion that you just described, that it doesn't and it didn't make sense that there wasn't any off-the-shelf SaaS infrastructure to solve this problem. Um, many... Uh, we're still used to think about pricing and packaging as a problem that comes in from the billing front, from the uh, financial uh, front of the company, where uh, billing and, and, you know, and, and collection and payments and, and reporting and all of that is, uh, is something that uh, financial teams should, uh, or revenue teams should be con- concerned about or think about and find ways to, to solve that efficiently. And I think... Uh, with many interesting trends that are happening nowadays in SaaS, it's becoming more and more evident that pricing and packaging is an experience. Uh, and so because it's an experience, it, it becomes more and more a product and R&D problem. And as such, as developers and as product uh, uh, people, uh, we need a, a new point of view, a new refreshed uh, way to approach pricing and packaging that fits the way we think about this problem. And that includes flexibility, uh, nimbleness, uh, agility, and, and many, uh, many ways that developers are now, uh, nowadays developers, engineers, product managers have nowadays standardized how we build software. And we want to bring a lot of that uh, way of thinking and way of being into pricing and packaging. So, 
that's great. That's that's a good description of what you're doing. But why did you start this? What why what was your motivation to get into this space? Yes. So so uh, I I used to be a product person at New Relic. Um, I've joined in after New Relic acquired my previous startup uh, Signify. We used to build AI ML um, um, models uh, for the observability and production environment space. We basically helped. Uh, SRE teams and development teams deal better with the alert fatigue and noise reduction. And we've put the work, um, uh, different practices of machine learning and AI to help deal with uh, immense load of, uh, of alerts. And um, uh, it was after that New Relic acquired uh, Signify that I became more and more aware uh, to uh, the, the concerns and the, and the way of thinking uh, related to pricing and packaging in SaaS. Uh, more, more specific, we were uh, having a, a lot of major organizational change at a time uh, that I was uh, part of the company and we had new leadership basically coming in and wanting to uh, uh, go in all the way on product-led motion, user-led motion, and as part of that, uh, um, scrutinizing and honing our pricing and packaging strategy towards the usage-based and pay-as-you-go motion. And as, as an organization, you know, cutting-edge technology, New Relic, some of the best engineers, best architects, you know, GTM teams, technologists, you know, uh, at the forefront of building software, you, you know, as, as a new, you know, freshman product the person that had just joined the team, I expected... Um, this oh this is going to be like an easy peasy right like it's going to be walk in the park to do this uh, to do this overhaul. Um, little did I know that it's going to be um, uh, almost a year until we are in a in a position where we are able to launch. Um, and it touched upon every single uh, function and, and department in the organization. Everyone had to figure out uh, how their uh, things or their products or their features are going to live in the new world. And I think my very first moment that I said, this should be software, like this should not, you know, what we're doing, this, there, there gotta be another way, was when I got uh, an email with a, a spreadsheet that said entitlements. And <laughs> under this spreadsheet, I was supposed to list um, the features that I was responsible on the, on the AI group. And I was supposed to uh, identify them as entitlements so that we can go to market and sell them in, in an appropriate way that fits the organization strategy. And when I saw this huge spreadsheet with, with all the information, with all the different entitlements, I was like, this cannot be managed in a spreadsheet. <laughs> what if we want to change? Like I, I started to ask all these questions. What happens if we're wrong? Like what, happen what happens if the way I'm, I'm, you know, I'm configuring our entitlements right now for our group is going to be wrong next quarter and we're going to need to change it. Where are we changing? Like I started to have like so many questions, but this was one of my early moments, like very early moments that I came aware to the concept of entitlements. Um, and I, I, I began to be more and more um, con con convinced that this should be an infrastructure. This is a big problem across uh, the entire industry. Yeah, it's, it's funny is... Uh, so I was involved with New Relic's um, back-end pricing engine for a while too, before, I think, before you joined the company. Back, I, I was back when we were still, you know, virtually 100% a PLG-driven company. You give us your credit card, we'll go from there, you know, after you do the free trial, right? 
or the free free tier. And um, and we had just started moving into an SLG model for enterprise customers and um, added all that complexity and then started the process of going public. And everything was up in the air and changed. And, and the pricing model was just in horrible shape at the time. I mean, I'm not talking anything bad that was customer facing or anything, but the system itself was just um, a, 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 a hard mess to try and deal with. And we were doing, trying to do simple things and trying to, um, to, um, to turn it into a system that could uh, uh, easily add new capabilities and features as we went along. And, and quite frankly, I think we failed at that. I mean, we, it just, it was such a complex system. We just couldn't make anything happen. And so your whole uh, mindset the saying it took a year for you to launch because of, of pricing. I buy that. I absolutely see that. <laughs> and, and you're right. You know, then, you know, I've, that was probably the first time you know, I saw it a little bit, I guess at Amazon, but you know, we're dealing with customers at Amazon, but not that much, but I saw it in spades at new relic. And then after that, when I started talking to customers and you know, when I, after my book and all that sort of stuff, I started going out and talking to customers. Then I started hearing that issue was really common and really prevalent. And so I, I, I absolutely understand and can hear where you're coming from here. This is a huge issue. Um, but, but let's, let's get into a little bit more of the specifics here. Let's, let's make sure that people, you know, we level set exactly what we're talking about here. And so let's talk, you know, I'll ask the basic question that some people listening to this are, are going to be asking now. And that is why can't I just integrate with Stripe? What's wrong with that? And what am I missing from Stig by, if I just integrate with Stripe, what else is there? Okay. So First and foremost, Stripe is by far one of the most, you know, advanced and, and complete solutions out there when it comes to billing payments and whatnot. Uh, I think uh, I have plenty to say about how pioneering their way, both in the way they went to market, as well as the way they structured their product and their infrastructure and etc. I think what has changed is not necessarily tied to just Stripe. I think there's a couple of other things that uh, may help shine some lights into why this is so important and what becomes uh, so difficult. So uh, Stripe has became almost a synonym for developers to uh, we need to charge for this thing. Um, whenever, you know, whether you're in early stage or even, you know, as you grow, um, if you, you know, if somebody from the business side or the leadership comes in and say, hey, we need to be able to charge uh, and they would come with this, you know, let's call it like problem statement to R&D, the almost immediate response would be, okay, let's, you know, let's integrate Stripe. Um, and the main reason is because Stripe did an amazing work in uh, making themselves um, almost synonym to uh, charging in the, in the internet. Uh, the problem is, or the problem begins where you, do, you don't need to just charge. So if you were an e-commerce uh, uh, business or company and you're selling something on a shop or, you know, on Shopify or on the internet somewhere, yeah, you probably just need to charge. But SaaS, is SaaS really about just charging? The answer is almost never no, because uh, value adoption and pricing in SaaS and the customer journey, it, it's not just about the checkout. It's not just about the 
elements in the code, the Stripe elements that allow you to uh, safely and securely insert credit card details and close the transaction. There's so many uh, before that, in between and afterwards that is not covered by the Stripes of the world that it's just literally scratching the surface. And now with PLG motion and user-led motion, it's even becoming more and more evident how far are we from software that solves this the right way. Uh, Stripe gives you powerful solutions all across the board um, on all of those fronts, billing, you know, subscription management, quotes, um, ability to, to charge, payments, dunning, and et cetera. Um, but when you think about pricing and packaging, um, a lot of these things actually fall between the cracks of how the founders of Stripe thought of Stripe. When Stripe began, it was all about the ability to monetize and charge on the internet. And they solved payment gateways really well. And they solved checkout really well. And they solved, you know, collecting payments and doing subscription. But they, they had mostly retailers and commerce in mind when they started. Um, they did shift it and invested later downstream in SaaS, but some of it is still uh, very much behind to what the industry require. And, 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 and this is where companies like Stig are, are developing into solving this uh, set of problems that are becoming more and more and more, uh, uh, you know, painful. So just by, by a few examples. So uh, implementing trials. How do you implement trials in the right way? Nowadays, people think about reverse trials, quota-based trials, not just time-based trials. Do you insert credit card before the trial or you don't have to uh, in order to begin the trial? So all these things are just trial, right? The, ba the banner inside your web application, the email automation around the trial behavior, uh, automation on how do you let GTM teams know about the trial progress. Is the customer in the right direction within the lenses of the trial. So all those things are just trials in Stripe. Many of the things are just listed. They don't, they don't really uh, you know, support or, or solve all of them out of the box. Um, and, 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 I can, and this is just you know, a small typical use case that comes to mind, um, but even more so, like if you take it even uh, 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 to a more simple use cases, right? So when you think about Pricing and packaging in general, um, the, the conversation doesn't begin with the ability to charge. You first need to understand what are you charging for? Uh, what is your strategy? What is the value prop? Uh, what are the benefits of using your software versus the alternative? And all these uh, questions are not you know, payment questions or necessarily billing questions. These are strategy questions, product questions, experience questions. Um, do we go sell service or do we do SLG? Um, you know, do we uh, allow uh, in-app upgrades and downgrades or do you have to contact sales for that? Um, will we um, monetize over seats or over platform fee and add-ons? You know, how will we basically package our software? All these conversations are much, uh, um, you know, ahead of thinking of how, well, how, let's, let's go in and, and integrate uh, Stripe, typically integrating Stripe and what comes after we made those decisions or we made some bets. Um, I don't know if that was helpful, by the way, Lee, but I'm happy to kind of elaborate uh, more into that. It, it absolutely does. And, you know, if I could maybe try and put a, you know, just a 
10 or 20 or 100 word summary on 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 what you're saying is you, you provide a layer on top of Stripe that handles things like entitlements, resources, but also the the different motions for how you convert people into real customers. You you know, Stripe does simple trial models, but there's a hundred different ways to do trial models, a hundred different ways to do things like free tiers and resource allocation limits and soft limits versus hard limits. And, and, you know, when do you call the customer? When do you email the customer? When do you stop the customer cold? Those sorts of decisions are all part of a layer that's well above Stripe. And it's in this area of entitlement management layer. So you provide that so that a application just has to do things like, well, I just use 10 megabytes of the user space. I don't know if he's, if he's got it or not, you take care of it. Oh, does he have it? Yes, he does. Fine. No problem. Uh, you know, and that sort of thing is all the application has to deal with. And what that means is, are all things that you deal with. Yeah, I think you, you've nailed it. And I'll even piggyback on that. And I'll, and I'll, and I'll say there are two basic main ways to um, think about STIG. One way is the engineering um, uh, standpoint and the other is the business standpoint. From the engineering and architectural standpoint, um, yes, it's by its core an entitlement. We, we, we like to think about ourselves as like an, an API for pricing and packaging. It includes endpoint for entitlements, the SDKs, the widgets library, includes a lot of things that are helping you basically um, launch faster and you know build without writing a lot of code to build that um, uh, pieces of your software. Um, the, if you were not using something like Stig and you were going all the way just directly integrating with Stripe, you would have to build this piece of your software yourself. So it's important to call out that it's not like we are um, like a, the sprinkle on top, right? Uh, if you want to integrate Stripe in 2023, and you want to go to market in a SaaS world, whether you're doing self-service, trials, usage-based pricing, subscription model, platform fee, no matter the way you are going to market, it's either you're building it yourself or you're taking an off-the-shelf solution. But it's not being solved by Stripe in any way. You don't have entitlement management in Stripe. Uh, everything that is related to usage-based ingestion, real-time event uh, uh, streaming, Everything that is related to aggregation and, and, you know, basically reporting usage for billing purposes. All these things are not being solved today by the stripes of the world. And so STIG is essentially an API that sits between your web application and the business application and helps you manage all of that. And by the way, STIG is not just working, integrating with Stripe. Like we do uh, other billing solutions as well um, when it comes to going to market. You want to have more options. Your customers want, want more options. Um, and so if you're locked to what the current billing setup allows you, that's going to be extremely painful to, to be nimble and move. Uh, for instance, if, if you're going to market in a subscription model and you have a really strong competition coming into the market with the usage-based and you're locked to a billing solution that doesn't allow usage-based model, now you have a, a real problem in your end because you might be losing and bleeding out customers uh, to competition based on a GTM uh, model. So that's, that's a big deal. And, and yeah, and so Stig basically allows you that nimbleness and, and speed uh, in, that, in that regard. 
And I think that's actually, you hit the nail on the head of the problem that you and I were both facing at New Relic is that the nimbleness wasn't there in the system. The system worked fine, but when we wanted to change the model to, in my case, to add new sales motions and to get ready for going public, and in your case, when um, a new product offering was added into the mix, it just wasn't designed to be extended. And so it was built for what it was designed to do and nothing more. And it wasn't designed to be extended. Now, something like Stig's, you know, it's, I don't want to oversimplify, but it's a it's a configuration change to change pricing yeah. models. No, no, it's, oversimplify. It's, I actually it's basically like that's over, what it is. Yeah, know? that's what yeah. it is. That's that's what it is, and I actually like oversimplifying because uh, I like to to be very spe- you know very specific about what we do. But at the end of the day, entitlements is a, is a configuration. We want better ways and faster ways to control that configuration. We want observability. We want auditing tools. We want the ability to control safely how we enable more. Uh, we want to be flexible and we want to remove a lot of this uh, uh, work from our uh, engineering teams so they can focus on creating high value. So, so, so yes, 100% exactly that. What does it take to operate a modern organization running a modern digital application? Read more in my O'Reilly Media book, Architecting for Scale, now in its second edition. Go to leeatchison.com slash books or click the link in the show notes for more information. I imagine there are you know, hundreds of different pricing models. Certainly I've seen hundreds of different pricing models across the internet. I'm sure you have too. There's, there's a lot of different ways to do pricing and packaging for SaaS applications. It just boggles the mind the number of variations and creativity that people have put you, into it. You so, won't believe me. You won't believe me. Yeah. <laughs> I think I might, but I, I get your point there, yeah. But what do you find is... In, in the world of the customers you've talked to, what's the most common or the most used, what's the most prevalent types of pricing models in the industry today? And how do you think that's changed? Okay, cool. So uh, by the way, as a side sidebar conversation, we actually released two completely free, completely open data applications that you can opt into to actually learn more about the exact question. Uh, one we call pricing.quest. So um, if you hit pricing.quest, we basically captured uh, all the uh, pricing changes and, and pricing pages that some of the top SaaS companies uh, out there have done, including the actual historical pricing pages. And we've analyzed that in, in, a, in, uh, in comparison to ARR and the, and the speed of changes. And basically like we've took all the ones that made the most changes at uh, the, the faster cadence, like faster, uh, faster intervals. So check it out. It's very helpful. And the second resource is GTM. We call it GTM Explorer. Honestly, it's an Airtable, but that Airtable is pretty neat because early days in, in, in when we started to build STIG, we basically researched, uh, I think it was like 137 or something like that, uh, pricing pages all across the industry of all, of all stages, SaaS companies of all stages. And it's like a summarized, aggregated information on what did we learn on pricing models, how do people go to market, and et cetera. 
Now, I'll put those links into the show notes too. So if you yeah. listen to this podcast, check out the show notes and you can click the links Sweet. from there. Um, so now to your question. So uh, it depending if you ask the founders or you ask the VCs. <laughs> and I'll explain. So VCs will tell you that usage-based model is the most prominent nowadays and everyone are all about uh, usage-based and like, Subscription, man, you know, subscription model is dead. Long live the new king. Long live, you know, usage-based model. Um, um, if you ask founders, I think you will hear something a little bit different. And if you ask buyers, you will even th- uh, hear something completely different. What I mean by that is, uh, the industry is definitely making a push towards usage-based model. The problem is that if you ask folks what is usage-based model to them. You will, you will hear folks saying that Slack is usage-based model, AWS is usage-based model, Algolia is usage-based model, and Datadog is usage-based model. And the problem is each one of the companies I just described do completely something different. And so the thing is, you know, if you go back into the theory, into the academy books, right, go back into the pricing uh, conversation, um, when you build packaging and you build pricing, uh, one of the early things you think about is what is the value metric? What is the thing that I'm charging for? It has to be like a a variable that I can monetize on. And so almost every pricing, even in the subscription world, even in the Zora world, there was always some variable. It could be seats, it could be storage units, it could be something else, but there was always a variable. And so calling these things usage-based is just saying everything is usage-based. So it's like saying everything and nothing all at the same time. And so... I would say this, you definitely see the developer uh, tools and infrastructure solutions or PaaS or YAS, they would incline towards the uh, pay-as-you-go model, which is what I would call, you know, usage-based model, like pay-as-you-go, where... AWS being a typical Exactly, exactly. Um, And and it makes sense. Why? Because it tied directly to the cost. So there is a, a certain margin that you want to keep on top of the cost at all times. And this is why the, uh, uh, the Databricks and the Snowflakes and the AWSs of the world, you know, this model makes sense. And also for the customer, uh, there is some uh, logic that, you know, I'm paying from what I'm using, right? It's, it's an infrastructure. And, and, you know, if you go early 2021, this model was sold to founders as like the silver bullet. It solves everything. You just you do pay as you go, it solves everything. Um, and, you know... As everything in life, you know, it all matters of, of you know, you know you, when you choose a framework, you need, to, you need to employ the framework in the right context, in the right, you know, setup. And so, um, y- you know, you, you can't just skip or short circuit thinking about the basics. What is my business? Uh, what is the value? Uh, you know, what is the willingness to pay uh, of my, my ICP, my ideal client profile? Who are the personas that you know who is buying my software who is using my software and so all these questions and all those are independent variables from your yeah. costs yeah. yeah 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 and you know who is pulling you know but whose budget is this coming from and all these questions will help you know will help you think about your pricing more so than you know one model over the other and then you can start thinking about okay this model fits more to what i'm trying to do uh you know my persona is not used to you know to buy software in a pay-as-you-go model so this will not work uh, so what, you end up with people saying they're going to market pay-as-you-go usage-based, but ultimately when they close a deal, 
um, they give a regular subscription. So <laughs> yeah, you, you look at the largest AWS enterprise deals and the vast majority of the costs are prepaid expenses and prepaid um, commitments. Even Stripe are doing pre, you know, I mean, they have their regular, you know, pay as you go model where it's like part of the transaction, the ref show model. Uh, with big deals, they, they don't do that. They do uh, pre-commitments, they do SaaS, they do other things. Uh, you need to be able to think about your pricing in a way that fits who are you selling to. That's great. I, I, it was actually a, a much better answer than I was expecting. <laughs> I should have given you a heads up. Uh, my team knows that, that I can speak until, until eternity. So. <laughs> oh, I'm so. glad for that. And that's, you know, maybe this will end up being a little bit longer episode, but I think it's definitely going to be worth it because that was a great answer and I love that. But <laughs> um, So a parallel question to you know, what's the most popular model is what's the most asked for change well what do you hear the most from your customers and this could be you know trends for the future it could be just things you haven't done yet that's fine but but what do you hear from your customers the most as far as what they want to have from you okay so um it varies between the different segments so i'll split it into early stage uh growth stage and then uh you know let's call them like later stage which is like pre post ipo so so you see different things so and also, by the way, it's very much tied to macrodynamics, like macroeconomics. So I'll give an example. Right after the downturn, right after the downturn, we saw a wave, uh, you know, folks knocking on our doors and say, hey, door, we need to monetize tomorrow, especially like early stage companies. There was a lot of like A round, sometimes even B round companies that they're still not monetizing yet uh, at the time. And they basically uh, realize that revenue efficiency is king, is the new king, and they need to monetize right away. Uh, so we saw a, a huge trend away from PLG Motion and away from freemium into the realm of sales uh, led um, uh, wow. concepts. Um, and that was this super was interesting. Twenty one, two thousand. That was that was like June twenty two, even I guess. Yeah, June tw- yeah. June twenty two. Yeah. And, so post-pandemic, and, okay. Yeah, 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 June 22. And the main reason was like people went away from, uh, from some of these PLG motions is um, they, take, they, take, they require a lot of time and cost um, to build the right way um, in terms of internal teams, processes. How do you nail down your freemium strategy? How do you nail down, you know, usage-based models? And so people just literally just went away from that because they needed to show revenue yesterday. So uh, one of the major changes we saw in the early stage was like, hey, we need to launch pricing. It needs to be super simple. It needs to be tomorrow. It needs to be all about revenue, like sales, like ASPs, high ASPs. Um, we're dropping our PLGs, like something I've heard like so, so many times uh, in the last wow. six months. Um, the second thing I saw uh, on the growth stages. Do you think that was uh, all economy or do you think that was also the re-engagement of the sales force post-pandemic. You know, there's now suddenly a sales force that's available that wasn't available during the pandemic. So it's interesting. You know, it's, it's a good call out. Maybe that's also related. I felt merely from my humble uh, point of view, you know, based on the deals that I'm doing with Stig, that we suddenly saw uh, uh, customers that were planning to do PLG, they decided to drop it or deprioritize it. 
uh, and customers that uh, were uh, uh, already doing PLG decided to move uh, into a sales-led motion, book a demo, rep- you know, hire a sales team uh, and, and whatnot. And that was interesting because um, I, I felt like definitely we see how being agile and being nimble matters <laughs> because you don't know what will happen. You need to be able to respond to buyers' traits and, you know, companies wanting more, you know, go to market with more options. So for us, for Stig, it wasn't, it was a good surprise in, in, in a sense, right? Because well, it proves your value statement. Yeah, that we always insisted that it's not about one size fits all. We always said that from the get go. Um, it's all about flexibility, speed and nimbleness. Always was the way we saw the market. Um, so that was one thing. On the later stages, we were seeing a lot of uh, uh, will nowadays for international expansion. Um, we also seeing like um, uh, repackaging either existing products or um, new, uh, new offers. So I'll give an example. Let's say you acquired a new company uh, and a, co- a company or you, you've been building some in, in, in new functionalities or capabilities in a certain space. So sometimes it makes sense to repackage uh, the way you go to market with that new offer um, to introduce uh, cross-sell or upsell op- opportunities. And that's something that you see a lot on the growth, on the growth stage. Um, so we've seen a lot, a lot of that. Um, what else? Uh, yeah, there's always the, like, the most common use case for us is like, hey, we want to do self-service or hey, we want to do freemium uh, and help us introduce that. Doris Hassan is the co-founder and CEO of Stig, an easy-to-implement headless pricing and packaging platform. Doris, thank you so much for joining me today on Modern Digital Business. Thank you, Lee. Thank you for tuning in to Modern Digital Business. This podcast exists because of the support of you, my listeners. If you enjoy what you hear, will you please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or directly on our website at mdb.fm slash reviews. If you'd like to suggest a topic for an episode or you're interested in becoming a guest, please contact me directly by sending me a message at mdb.fm slash contact. And if you'd like to record a quick question or comment, click the microphone icon in the lower right-hand corner of our website. Your recording might be featured on a future episode. Make sure you get every new episode when they become available. Click subscribe in your favorite podcast player or check out our website at mdb.fm. If you want to learn more from me, then check out one of my books, courses, or articles by going to leeatchison.com. And all of these links are included in the show notes. Thank you for listening, and welcome to the world of the modern digital business. and Ken Gervanovich, my co-author on the book, Business Breakthrough 3.0. I think you're going to love this book. If you've wondered how your subconscious mind is like your business, this book is for you. Ken, what do you think? Yes, I think the subconscious mind, because again, businesses are simply a collection of people. 
But how do you get that enterprise agility? How do you get that spark factor that takes a company from 300 to 500 million? How do you build something from, you know, you and I are putting our desk together to 200 million. There's absolutely five distinct processes. But Lee, I almost think about it, the simpler part is, um, you know, it's really that kind of the, the definitive guide, at least that's our hope, right? For overcoming entrenched patterns and building a highly profitable business that most importantly attracts and retains people who truly love their job. It's coming out on Amazon and all of the major platforms that where you can buy business and technical books. It's coming out in hardcover, softcover, Kindle, ebook format, and it's coming out on Audible and on iTunes. So you'll have no excuse not to read, listen, or, or otherwise consume this book. Yes, and um, the exciting part again is we're hoping that this will have a huge impact. We've already got some great feedback from early readers. And once again, the book is Business Breakthrough 3.0 by Ken Gavranovich and Lee Atchison. Hope you enjoy it.